Hello and welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast. I am Luke Owen D A D, and I'm joined by Tempo T Yu Gi Oh. How are you today, friend? I'm not too bad, and I like I like the Yu Gi Oh thing. I like that that's catching on is like my thing. Well, I like calling you Tempo. Um, so like I I don't, I don't want to take it away. So I, I figured like hey, Yu Gi Oh goes with it, so I'm sticking with it. <laughs> Hell yeah! I I what? find it. Uh... I find it funny. I just wanted to get this out there because this is obviously something that they teach you in um, like broadcasting school and something not to do. And of course I picked up on it while we were just recording the podcast that you all find folk will be listening to where we interview the great Shane Taylor. I'm just doing this the whole oh, yeah. time, just a bobblehead the whole time. And I yeah. noticed like halfway through the interview, I was like, Oh, stop that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm real bad for that i'm real bad for like nodding along being like yeah i hear what you're saying it's you know it's it's just like it's a visual thing to be like i'm listening i'm still listening i'm not drifting off into space and thinking about something else which i would never do uh with mr shane taylor of course um and so i mean tempest i think you are a, a, an absolute trooper of the the, the rest talk team because you are not well like and you are it's i mean did you get it from pete like did it like get across like through the internet <coughs> Pardon me. <laughs> on right on cue. <coughs> oh dear. Jesus Christ. Because <laughs> I do feel like I misspoke during the podcast saying that I was sick. I'm just like a bit stuffed up, which happens in the Canadian winter because mm. I'm a fool and I do not like to wear a coat. So And I, I hear it I, gets cold in Canada. Yeah. Yeah, it does from time to time. <laughs> yeah. when, when you wake up with a new blanket of snow outside, every oh, have you got snow? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh man, that's cool. I mean, it is when you get it once a year. No, it, it's still it. it's still cool. It's still cool because like I enjoy the winter months until it gets to about February. Then I've had enough and I want the gold to go away. <laughs> Yeah. you know but like the first snowfall and the first few snowfalls are still kind of nice so yeah i can't appreciate that i'm feeling so festive today as well i'm wearing my brand new uh christmas cardigan that i bought um do you want to see my other christmas shirt that i've got absolutely check this bad boy out this is show and tell hells yeah Oh yeah, for podcast <laughs> listeners in the audio realm, it is a red shirt, Christmas red, and it's got snowmen, it's got Christmas puddings, and it's got some holly on there, and it's pretty gaudy, and I love it. Uh, I'm I'm thrilled, thrilled with my choice. You should be. I can't wait to see that on a podcast of some sort in the near future. Um, before we get into the main show itself, Tempo, I just wanted to to put you over. Actually, put both you and Pete over. Um, I'm glad that SmackDown's not a good show. Um, <laughs> Thanks, pal. Because legit, I've been like, I've been tuning. I've started tuning in live now because it turns out that I, by the time I'm going to do my weekly shop, you're about to go on air, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. And actually, I will sit around and wait for a little bit. I was like, I won't go just yet because I'm going to walk down to the shops. I'll wait until the show until it's like three o'clock, and then I'll leave because then I get to listen to the show live. Well, in theory, that is the purpose of the podcast. Yeah. You know, it is to entertain. So oh, I'm glad that we're doing that. I'm glad that we are doing that. For my own sanity, I wish this show was better. 
I feel like Brian and Vinny, like towards the end of their run, doing Impact, where oh, they're yeah. just fed up with it. You know, I I will never forget the episode when Vinny just goes like, "I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm yeah. I'm done. Like I don't I do not want to watch this show anymore." And then that was it. And then there were no more Impact reviews. I remember being super sad about it, being like, "Oh man, I used to love the Brian and Vinny <laughs> Impact reviews." Adrenaline you really flush? think like if if Vinny just decided that he was done in like 2007, like you watch the reverse battle royal and you say, you know what, I'm done. Is that the end of Impact reviews? Could he have done this like seven, eight years earlier? <laughs> but only have been that easy if I don't have yeah. known. Um, well, let's get into our show. Let's talk about our podcast because we've got a packed show today, uh, a real magazine style format, which is kind of what this podcast was supposed to be. This show, anyway. Um, uh, we're kicking things off. Speaking with Shane Taylor ahead of Ring of Honor Final Battle tomorrow night. We have then got uh, me and tempo talking about uh jeff hardy and our favorite like jeff hardy moments and memories and stuff um in lieu of him being released from wwe and then we end off our show with the man who designed the jam that championship paul martins he's on the show with us uh, to talk about the design of the belt we get to talk about like if you are if you're like me and you're a bit of a belt head it's a fun chat because we do just talk about I talk about favorite designs, what goes into a good design and things like that. So yeah, it, it was a really, really fun chat. I can't wait for you to hear that. Here is the show. Hello and welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast. What wouldn't would normally be the Team Danuke show, but unfortunately Denise has got some scheduling conflicts, so it is just me for the moment. I am Luke and D A D, your jam that champion. Tempest will be here in just a moment's time, but we've also got a very special guest. In fact, well, actually, before oh, and it's just going to adjust the mask. Let's get the gimmick in first. Can you give us a thumbs up, Tempo? You ready? It's Tempo T Yu-Gi-Oh! How are you, sir? <laughs> uh, I'm all right, Luke. I'm all right. You know, yeah. this is uh, not the best topic to be coming on this show to talk about. But at the same time, I do enjoy talking with you. And we should have a very entertaining show, to say the least, with our wonderful guest. So indeed, yeah. I mean, I was actually just chatting with our guest just beforehand. Like, I the way that I'm going to frame today's show is let's not like dwell on the story itself. I just want to, I want to celebrate them. I want to celebrate his stories, man. I want to talk about favorite moments. I know he's one of your favorite guys. So I think that we can just have a nice little celebration of Jeff Hardy in this video. I would very much like that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the best way to do it. But before we get into that, tomorrow night, it's ROH final battle. It's the end of an era. It's the end of ROH as we've sort of known it. And one of my fave guys is on the show with us today. A man who I have seen sing, like firsthand kill it at beer pong. Please welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast, Shane Taylor. Yeah. What's going on, boys? What's up? Thank you for having me. No, thank you so much for being on here, my friend. How are you? Man, I am good stressed but excited anxious uh been putting in all the work that i can physically mentally emotionally trying to prepare for all this uh, man i am 
a buzz right now. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here like twitching. I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm excited. So whereabouts are you currently? Because you're not, you're not in Baltimore just yet, are you? No, I am still home in Houston. I actually fly out tonight. I'll get in probably around 10, 11 o'clock tonight. Try to get some sleep, hopefully. Uh, and then it's final battle. So what does tomorrow look like for you? Man, uh, tomorrow <laughs> looks like trying to wake up, get a quick workout in. Uh, and, and then it's all about the, the mindset, man. It's getting myself locked in for what is going to be undoubtedly the most physical match of my career against Kenny King, a uh, fight without honor. Um, man, and there's, there's part of me, there's part of me that still wishes like this could have gone a different way. You know, uh, he, he's been a mentor to me uh, since I got to ROH. Uh, you could argue that I'm not sitting here having this interview if it wasn't for Kenny King, right? So part of me wishes that, you know, we were just kicking back and, and laughing and, and, and joking. Um, and I would be defending the Ring of Honor World Championship potentially against Jonathan Gresham, to, you know, tomorrow night. But here we are. Uh, Kenny cost me that. And now he's got to pay. Yeah, man. I mean, that's what I was. I wanted to bring up. Actually, was like this mm. is this is a personal battle, man. This is like real battle, and I think it's actually quite nice. And not, not to sort of dwell on something the negative side of it, but it's actually it's kind of fitting that it's on this show, that it's on final battle, it's on this end of an era for Ring of Honor. So it's it's almost like I don't want to say poetic, but it, it almost is in a way. It it very much is. There's there's this sort of cruel irony that's happening. You know what I mean? And. uh Man, uh, there there have been few fewer people that have been as influential on my career uh, as Kenny has. Like you could say, Keith Lee and Ray Road probably be the only other two. Um, and and so again, it's the man that I knew, the man that was my friend, the man that was my brother, uh, wouldn't have done the things that that he's done. You know, he knew how important one of us winning the ring of honor world championship would have been the only black male to ever have done it in the 20 year history of the company is Jay lethal. Um, can we, we've talked about what it would be like to add our names to that list, to give him some company at the top of the mountain. And so I never thought in my wildest dreams that the, that the moment that I had to achieve that dream that we, that we talked about, he was going to take that, you know, he was going to, he was going to, you know, take that from me, from, from, from the fans. Um, I was looking forward to bringing that championship home to my daughters, you know what I mean? And, and, and showing them what, what daddy did, but um, he took all that away. You could say it's jealousy. You, you could say, you know, it, it, it could be a million things, but um, we now, after months of warning him to leave me the hell alone, <laughs> you know, uh, has finally, uh, got gotten to the point where we need to settle this. Um, and I, I couldn't ask for a better opponent. You know, this, this feels like Doc Holliday going into the okay corral to have a gunfight with, with Wyatt Earp. You know what I mean? Um, man, you're speaking my language, man. I'm a blue Jays fan. So Doc Holliday is like number one, you know what I mean? Like it, it, you just know that, the other guy standing across from you is just as good as you. His aim is just as good. He's just as deadly. Uh, 
and you need to be all in your game because if you miss, you're not getting a second shot. Hell yeah, man. I, I was asked, if you don't mind, Luke. Yeah, um, no, you go ahead. Because you talked a lot about how Kenny King was kind of a mentor to you mm-hmm. in the same way that Keith Lee and Ray Rowe were. Mm-hmm. How would you describe your relationship with the other members of Shane Taylor Promotions? And I don't know how much of a leadership role you've taken on in that uh, in that stable, but could mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about them too and how you possibly think they will thrive now that Ring of Honor is changing in the very least? Um, yeah, man, as, as the captain of the team, as the CEO of the company, the figurehead, uh, that leadership role is one that I take very seriously. I, I try to impart the lessons that I was taught, uh, from Ray, from Keith, hell, even some from Kenny, um, into them. Uh, one of the very first things that I talked to them about when I set them all, all down was what we wanted out of the sport, uh, what we wanted from each other. Uh, the changes that we wanted to make to attack the stereotypes that a lot of black athletes have in this sport, um, that dedication to educating not only the people who signed the checks, but the fans who are sitting in the seats as to just who we are um, as, as, as men, as a culture, uh, because what you see on TV and movies and radio um, is 0.01% of who we are as a people. Um, and for a long time, re- wrestling was very lazy about teaching that. So um, we've taken it upon ourselves to do that. Um, and as far as Khan and Moses go, you are looking at a tag team that is bound to win a world tag team championship somewhere and be the absolute uh, fixture of a tag team division for a very long time uh it doesn't matter where it is um o'shea edwards man you're 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 talking about a guy who is who has every single tool that you would ask for in a superstar in a main eventer in a world champion um a guy that has overcome so many things and just goes out there and dominates and imposes his will on any opponent on any platform simply because he can, you know? And um, of course you got my VP, Ron Hunt, the guy who helped me build this whole thing um, is absolutely integral while, while I'm doing everything that I have to do mentally, physically to get ready for every match. You know, he's taking care of the financial stuff. He's getting everything that he's getting the deals done. Um, and, and I, I, and I say this, uh, wholeheartedly, like a lot of people, they don't have to wake up and ask themselves, you know, how are we going to stay in Shane's good graces or, or how are we going to stay a part of the team? Like each of them are better than me at something, right? So I have to wake up every day asking myself, what am I going to do to be able to feel justified in leading these men? We've actually uh, had a chat in from uh, one of our uh, viewers today. Plasma PD says, good morning, Luke and Tempest. And of course, Shane T. Boyd, the baddest champ you ever seen. Can't wait, seen for, can't wait for Final Battle tomorrow night. It sucks I can't be there in person. Oh, man. If, if, if the energy of this show, I, I, I feel like I've, I've tried to get myself ready for it. 
but I feel like it's going to be one of those things that's just going to hit you and, and you're going to have to be in the moment um, and, and, and feel what, what that's like. It's going to be one of a kind. I, I, I truly feel like it's going to be special. And with the talent we have on the show, everybody I am sure is, is looking to leave a lasting impression. Um, so this is, this is going to be one for the history books. I'm sure. I, mean, I suppose we can't talk about Final Battle without talking about the news that came out, uh, you know, mm. uh, only a few hours ago, really. I was covering on the Rust Talk News earlier, which is Bandido. Uh, right. Unfortunately, tested positive for COVID-19 and Ring of Honor, as they have done pretty much since the SARS pandemic, has put the safety of its talent and its crew and its fans first, right. uh, which means he's no longer on the card. His title mm. match with Gresham is now off. So I suppose, you know, I want to ask, A, you know, your thoughts on this, and B, there's a slot open there for for, for a Shane Taylor, perhaps. Uh, yeah, okay. You, you never want to see one of your top guys not be able to do what they do. Obviously, with, with this being the show of this magnitude, the, the, the importance, the emotion, you want all hands on deck. So, um Hope, ho- hopefully a very speedy recovery for our world champion. With that being said, you're absolutely right. There is a spot now open to face Jonathan Gresham for e- e- either the vacated or interim Ring of Honor World Championship, whatever they decide to do. I say the winner of myself versus Kenny King takes that spot. Um, this whole thing started because he cost me the world championship. It is the one thing that I feel like I need to do to cement my legacy at ring of honor. Um, and to go out there against not only Kenny in one of the most violent matches that ring of honor has ever produced, but then to potentially step into the ring against the best pure wrestler on the planet today in Jonathan Gresham. Um, I can't think of a better way to go out. You know what I mean? I, I, I can't think of a better showcase. And if by some miracle I pull that off, um, I can't think of a better way to end the story than the guy who wasn't supposed to be here, the guy that wasn't supposed to be in the match, the guy that nobody thought was going to be successful at the end of all this, holding the very top prize in the game. Um man that's that's i'm getting goosebumps now just just, just thinking about it. i am you you know you Got you it. sold me. this is this is if it's not this <laughs> way it's a it's a wash no buys i mean uh, we've had a little comment left here rebecca young uh i'm flying up to baltimore tonight for the show i can't wait i i am like i'm really stoked uh for the show yeah. tomorrow night i won't be able to watch it live like you know i've got my dad duties i i own i've got to put the kid to bed and stuff um but i'm gonna be catching up on sunday i'm super super stoked for it because it's like it's a corking card I, I think if you if you had to pick another match that's not yours or it's not you know the potential possible main event is there anything else that really stands out for you OGK against the Briscoes. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's not even a question. Uh, knowing those four men like I do, knowing how they feel about Ring of Honor, knowing the blood, sweat, tears, the injuries, the time that they've put in, there is no doubt in my mind that I'm sure if they listen to this, 
and you know hear me saying i'm gonna have these kind of matches and they're going yeah right like they are ready (laughs) to absolutely go to war um and that's gonna be the match that i have my eye on because man um the journey that taven and bennett uh have gone on to get those titles back versus the uncrowned, you know, versus the unquestioned kings of Ring of Honor for the last 20 years in the Briscoes, one of the top five tag teams ever in the history of the sport. Um, it, it's hard to pick against OGK, but if you were going to bet against them, it, it you want to pick the Briscoes. You know what I mean? Right. Um, their chance to become 12-time tag team champions and end this era as they damn near started it, you know, just running the place. Yeah. And honestly, like I remember watching ring of honor when the Briscoes were like a seven time tag team champions, you know, and that was, that was impressive then. And to just see them continue to dominate and have so much success. I'm curious though, because the Briscoes are unquestionably one of the faces or two of the faces, I suppose in this case of ring of honor. Mm-hmm. Who would you kind of consider to go on a Mount Rushmore of Ring of Honor? That's 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 a good one. Uh, first and foremost, Kerry Silken. Without Kerry, there's no ROH. We're not having this conversation. None of the talents that have come through through those doors. I, I'm sure they would have been successful somewhere, right? But Kerry help you know help help build all of this um so i i i think he goes up there um then you're talking about probably samoa joe for his world title reign that sort of solidified the ring of honor world title and ring of honor it itself as the title to have and the place to be um and then the briscoes I, I I feel like those are the four faces that uh, transcend the company and 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 make it what it is. Without those four men, none of us are sitting here, you know, reflecting on the last twenty years uh, the way we are. Uh, Shane, like I know, I don't want to take up too much of your time today. I know you've got a you got a very you got a busy schedule. You've got to get yourself into the right mind space as well for for your match tomorrow night. But this is the end of an era for Ring of Honor, and I, I actually say, you know, the door is open for you to come back onto the show whenever you want. Like you just you just give me the call, and you know, we'll get you back on here again. But I do want to ask, you know, what is next for Shane Taylor? Shane Taylor Promotions. What is, what is next for you? What's next for everyone? what's what's next for me after final battle is probably a lot of ice and epsom salts <laughs> uh, <laughs> a lot of swearing probably a lot of alcohol uh, <laughs> but um honestly uh i'm me and the boys are gonna go to la um and we're gonna get right back to the gym uh we we have a project that we're filming with one of the most legendary bodybuilders, lifters of all time, uh, true inspiration to myself. Um, I'm going to keep that hush and, uh, until it, until it comes out. So it's a big surprise. Uh, but we're going to love doing that. And then man, come January 1st, man, it's all hands on deck and it is, we are coming out guns blazing. We want to hit every top independent 
hit as many major platforms, not only here, but overseas as well, uh, and continue to build, uh, continue to build this brand, man, because we feel this is something special. For the last two years, we've damn near been building it just with us and the people. Uh, so it went when and if we get the chance to really get, you know, some 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 gas behind, excuse me, behind this, it's going to be incredible. So I, I'm looking forward to the challenge. I'm looking forward to having as much fun with, with my guys as possible uh, for as long as we can. Very lastly, before I let you go, uh, give us your pitch. Give us your hype for Final Battle. Uh, let's get everyone excited for it. Mm. If you call yourself a fan of professional wrestling, if you've ever watched a show, if you've ever bought a T-shirt, you are going to be watching the greatest single wrestling show that you have ever seen in your life. You are going to see men and women put everything on the line to make sure that you remember the legacy of Ring of Honor. That's beautiful, man. That's so, oh, so yeah. cool, man. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the show. Thank you so much for coming on today's podcast. It is, it's been really nice to catch up with you as well. You and I haven't seen each other for a few years, so it's been, it's been nice to have a chat, man. Hey, man, love it. Absolutely. <laughs> Every time we get into talk with you, Ollie, <laughs> man, it's always dope. Uh, definitely have to... Uh, Come back across, let's the pond, get some more beer pong in. Oh, yeah. Defend our championships. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it'd be dope. Laurie's looking for that rematch. Shane, thank you so yeah. much, my friend. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day and good luck tomorrow. All right, boys. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers, buddy. Oh, what a nasty <sighs> guy. Really loved having Shane Taylor on the show. It was funny enough, actually, so it was um uh it was a Will Ospreay after party after a Rev Pro show. Um it was when I, I first started hanging out with, with Shane and so it was the first time I'd met him. And yeah, it turns out he's real good at beer pong. Oh, he yeah. is, he's great at it. Um, right. How Tim are you is, with beer pong, Luke? I, I am not great. I am oh. actually quite poor. Uh, I, I as as you could quite tell, I'm an unathletic man. And that really extends to beer pong as well. But beer pong is like a game. It's mm. different from a sport. Yeah, but it, it feels like a sport though, doesn't it? And I'm bad. I'm also quite bad with my drinking as well. I'm not as, uh, <laughs> not as, not as good as I once was. Okay, Tempest. Let's. Um, we're going to unfortunately shift gears a little bit now, and it's, it's not a gear shift that I'm, I'm, I'm particularly thrilled about. But as we said at the top of the show, um, I don't really want to dwell on the, the, the Jeff Hardy stuff too much. Uh, if you have been haven't heard the news, if you've been away, like th this news broke while me and Ollie were doing the AEW show yesterday. We were in the middle of the show, and it, he was talking about um Riho versus Hater, which I was super duper like stoked to talk about because it was my favorite match of the night. And yeah, all of a sudden fair. I just saw and I just saw the chat being like Jeff Hardy, Jeff Hardy, Jeff Hardy. And I was like, oh man. And I had this thing because it didn't it happen with you in the NXT show, right? Like someone was like spamming in there being like people are being released. And right, I yes. was like, it, it's just another one of those. And then I saw yeah. that and I saw Sean's tweet and I was like, dang. So 
Jeff Hardy uh, has been released from WWE. Uh, he had been sent home from a house show tour that they were doing over the weekend. Uh, he started a match, he tagged out, and then he left through the crowd and he was sent home after that. According to Sean, uh, WWE offered rehab and help, and he uh, declined. And we can, I think, safely presume that is why uh, he was released from his contract. Uh, his wife has said that he is... He's okay. He's feeling all, he's feeling all right. Uh, Matt Hardy has said that he's home uh, and he is confident that he will be fine. Uh, before we sort of get into this, uh, I just want I just wish the best for him. Addiction is it, it's it's a beast. I said this on the news. And I, I, there's no other better way for me to put it. Addiction is a beast. It, it's not something that one can just easily overcome. Uh, I was getting a bit. I, I didn't check a lot of Twitter yesterday, and I'm glad I didn't because I did see a few people being like, "Oh, you just you get any of this, any other." I was like, oh, "Man, addiction is not something you can just get past." Uh, I just, I, I wish him, I wish him and his family nothing but the best. Yeah, I think you've basically covered it. You know, Jeff Hardy has meant a lot to me, as you know, like a lot of kids have baseball players that they look up to. For me, it was a wrestler. You know, and it was Jeff Hardy growing up. If I didn't watch Jeff Hardy matches, I would not be a wrestling fan. So there's a lot of, of emotion going into everything. But at the end of the day, like, I just want him to be all right. Yeah. You know, I mean, I actually, I mean, a similar story to you uh, in a way, really. So uh, I got into wrestling kind of kind of a bit late to be honest i didn't have so here in the uk if you wanted to watch wwe uh or wwf as it was at the time you needed to have sky tv or a friend that had tapes uh, i had i had neither so i my sort of wrestling knowledge in the 90s was some kids down at my road had the battle royal at the royal albert hall won by the british bulldog uh at a show where um hogan wasn't on it and i remember like one of the companies being like that's because hogan's in hollywood the big movie star that's why he wasn't on the card um so that was kind of like my all i had as my wrestling knowledge right and then year 2000 channel 4 which is a free to air tv station over here uh, gets a deal with the wwf to air heat Yep, Sunday night heat every every Sunday at like four p.m. or was it? You lucky chaps, you. <laughs> well, I mean, it's basically I got the recaps of Raw and SmackDown, so it's kind of grand yeah. in a way, I guess. So like, I got uh, an hour of heat every Sunday, and we got four pay per views a year uh, for free, and it was just on TV, just like on, and it was you know, uh, eventually they. I don't think Channel 4 really knew what deal they were getting into yeah. because then they were like, oh, what? Is this what wrestling is now? Oh, I don't think we like this at all. And then it became a bit of an uh, awkward thing. So year 2000 is like my year of wrestling. So my first big pay-per-view that I watched was the Royal Rumble 2000. So Cactus Jack Triple H, I think one of my favorite matches of all time, an incredible rumble that comes after that. But on that show, the Hardys Dudleys, the table match, and instantly i'm just like oh they're my guys these guys rule they're so so cool and me and my friends became obsessed with the hardy boys hell yeah man hell yeah and i i do apologize for my voice i'm a little bit sick today um, it's okay bud yeah you know, just just for the sake of the sake I think there's a decent possibility that the first hardy boys match that i would have ever seen could have also been that match because because in a very similar way to to you 2008 was my year of wrestling you know the first Mm -hmm. show that i ever saw was like the smackdown before the royal rumble 
that year. And I was just like hooked after that. Shortly afterwards, because Matt Hardy at the time was hurt, right? So there wasn't a whole lot of play between the two. And I don't know that there would have been anyway. They're on different shows. But their DVD comes out like two months later. And I was like, I got to watch this DVD. And the first match on that DVD is the Hardys against the Dudleys. Dude, so, so cool. it's so cool and it's done the like i don't want to just gush about this one match but like <laughs> i mean we so can do cool. you want <laughs> no it's so cool that's the way that tables matches should be because it was it was the rules where you have to put your opponent through the table so they were able to do so many more table spots to keep things entertaining and exciting because the hardies were jumping off things and going through the tables while the the dudleys were rolling out of the way and there's just a lot of really cool stuff. You know, I really, yeah, really yeah. enjoy that match. And it was an excellent introduction into these two guys that like, I can't say enough for how much Jeff Hardy did for me as a 11 year old wrestling fan. And Craig here is actually just about, to, well, I was literally just about to say the Swanton off the balcony. Hell and yeah. like, like Ollie and I recently just did uh, survivor series. Oh, two. Uh, for Wrestle Talk Extra, which also features another Hardy like Swanton off the balcony. I said it was like, man, it's just like the Rumbles like <laughs> 2000. And it made me, it actually, it made me angry that WWE shows in Madison Square Garden don't look like that anymore. Like with that entrance and everything. 100%. Oh, 100%. Winds me up. Um, but yeah, like, so I, I went from that and then at WrestleMania 2000 it's the triangle ladder match with edge and christian and the year after that and like yeah actually SummerSlam that year you've got the first ever tlc wrestlemania x7 you've got tlc too and the hardy's like when i will never understand i i guess i can understand in a way but as a fan i never understood why they had such a boner for breaking that tag team up uh, like it's they're oh, so good together right yeah it's it's really wild when you go back and watch like their 2001 breakup and it's like after the the alliance and the invasion and everything they do the big cage match at survivor series that year and jeff hardy like jumps off the cage and loses it for the hardys and then the next month they do jeff hardy versus matt hardy with lita as the referee yeah and it's like i don't think anybody ever truly wanted to see them fight no they were always a cooler package when they were together and I think the only time that they've really ever sex successfully had a Jeff Hardy versus Matt Hardy relationship or rivalry rather was in TNA doing the original broken Matt and brother Nero stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I was going to, I was going to mention that, but like, but actually before we get into the TNA stuff, let's kind of, I, let's talk about some of his early WWE career. Um, Cause man, I could talk about his TNA stuff as well. Like, because well, holy smokes, you go um, on. I'm just going to blow my nose very quick. You go for it, man. Because they did, you know, like, I, of the two, I was a Jeff kid. Jeff Hardy was, like, I really enjoyed watching Matt, but there was something about Jeff Hardy. Maybe it was the fact that he dyed his hair and he looked super cool. But yeah, like, Jeff was my guy. And his singles run, you know, as much as the fact that we're saying, you know, I don't know why they kept Brave Mother's tag team. He was a great singles guy. His, and I know a few people have mentioned this in the chat, the ladder match against Taker is so so good it's one of like i don't know where i don't, I don't want to keep saying it's one of my favorites but like it is a match if you ask me like oh what's your favorite jeff hardy match i would probably go to that take a ladder match i watched it last week still holds up every time that he's climbing that ladder and jim ross is screaming make yourself famous 
I'm like, yeah. maybe he's going to grab it this time. Maybe. <laughs> and he never does, of course, because that's how the space-time continuum works. But it does indeed. I love that ladder match. I really do. You know, and it to me, I don't think I appreciated it enough when I saw it the first time, because again, I saw many of these matches for the first time when I was like 11 or 12, when I was just starting to get into wrestling. And I didn't realize quite where Jeff Hardy was in his career at that point to have like a really solid ladder match on raw for the title against the undertaker for a guy who was just like basically a popular tag team guy. That was really kind of cool, you know, yeah. and we don't, we haven't had very many more moments like that one. It's it's kind of funny as well. Actually, we had the moment yesterday on dynamite when punk came out to MJF's music and it kind of, and it reminded me of, punk's feud with jeff yeah. and he has that moment when he comes out and <laughs> with all the makeup on and everything and he does the pose and this is you can feel the ripple through the crowd as they work out oh that's not yeah. that cm punk <laughs> that i mean that feud was was cracking man with against punk it really was and cm punk has talked a lot about how that rivalry was the first thing that he was able to really sink his teeth into in WWE, you know, like before that he was just nameless, faceless CM Punk, babyface world champion, you know, coming out in straight edge and let's go. Tom. Yeah, it was no good. <laughs> oh no. Actually Tempest. able. We good. Tempest, you okay. Yep. Okay. I think you're back yep. now. Is your internet. All right. Okay. <laughs> I suppose. What else can go wrong? <laughs> Bottom oh, line crazy. is that gave CM Punk something to bite his teeth into in WWE. Yeah. And from a storyline perspective, I don't think that I've seen Jeff Hardy do better character work than in that, that whole rivalry. You know, it won yeah. like the best rivalry of the year in 2009 in the wrestling observer. And it was, was awesome. by, it was by credit of CM Punk and Jeff Hardy together, making all that so special. Uh, TNA, uh, when I first got into TNA, Jeff was there. Um, so like instantly, like when I first started watching TNA, I have got Jeff Hardy is there and Raven is there. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I like this place already. <laughs> this, and then the Luke Owen guys. Exactly, right? So it's like Luke Owen guys. And so like, and then before you know it, you've got, I, I'm starting to get into the guys like AJ and Petey Williams, Chris Saban and all these sorts of guys. But like, it was like Jeff, you know they they often talk about those mainstream guys. I want to say mainstream as well. I, I do mean sort of like to the, the casual wrestling fan who I, at that point I was a lapsed fan, and uh, all of a sudden I, I find this new promotion and there are guys that I recognize, kind of in a similar way to what people have said about with AEW. It's like oh I recognize Jericho or I recognize this guy, I recognize that guy, and that's what's making me watch the product. So Jeff was actually one of the guys that kind of stuck me like I stuck around for the TNA like and then I learned the new guys because I was like man cool Jeff's here oh man let's check this out. Yeah, it was always weird for me with TNA because TNA was TNA, you know, and it was hard to watch a lot of the time. But I mean, I mean, if, if, I mean bearing in mind though, my I, I got into TNA in two thousand four, so it was still it was still cool to like it then. Like it, yeah. it hadn't got it hadn't got fully bad. I mean, it had like <laughs> it had little people masturbating in trash can trash cans, but you know, sometimes it was like you'd get Ultimate X matches, and it was great. Yeah, sometimes you'd get Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles versus Christopher Daniels. It'd be the best triple threat match of all time. Oh, yeah. But 
when I watched Jeff Hardy in TNA, it was like his 2010 run onward, you know, which was run. not. Yeah. yeah, it was the heel run. And I've said this story before, but they turned him heel on my birthday. <laughs> Bound for glory, 2010. 10, 10, 10. 10, 10, 10. That's hit. my birthday. <laughs> They're here. Turn Jeff Hardy heel. Now, granted, oh, by that point, I wasn't so torn up about like baby faces and heels and oh no like being a kid and and seeing and throwing trash in the ring because hulk hogan turned heel like i was kind of past that but it was still funny to me you know that you won the tna title and that for a while was like a pretty big deal you know like his uh match his ladder match with austin aries and i believe 2012 is still one of the better singles ladder matches that i've seen really ever you know mm-hmm. it doesn't get talked about enough and that run as tna world champion where he ended up losing it to, to bully ray like that's solid top baby face stuff that doesn't get talked about enough the one of the things i actually love about jeff hardy and like you know it's, so do you know what? it's funny as well like it, I've, i'm trying to find the best way to sort of like phrase some of these things i'm saying as well because like someone mentioned the chat i was like man this sounds like a memorial show and i was like well, yeah <laughs> and i'm trying not to make it sound like a memorial show because like i think jeff is going to get back on this and i think we will see jeff in the ring again whether that is i don't know i just hope that he is better when he gets there exactly. um but like you know what's i find very impressive about jeff hardy and maybe this is just because i am that wrestling fan I can always find a period of time where I've liked his work. Like I can always just like pick out every couple of years and be like, oh, cool. There's some Jeff, no matter where it is. Cause then like, you know, if it's not WWE, if it's not some of the stuff he's doing in TNA, I'm looking at the stuff he was doing in ring of honor when it was him and Matt against the bucks. And like, you know, the killer matches that those two teams had, the young bucks were a team that people like they really liked, but I remember like Brian Alfred used to write in uh, the figure four. He used to call them the blonde, the blonde buck and the other one because he didn't really know what their names were but i think like that few that they had with the hardys not only made people go like oh dang the hardys still rule but it was also like dang these young buck kids are awesome i think that rivalry was like a proper passing of the torch moment you know yeah and one that was it felt organic and i legitimately will go back and watch the pop that matt hardy gets when his face pops on the screen in ring of honor for the first time, it's deafening. It's absolutely deafening that pop. It's ridiculous. If you haven't seen it, go and check that out after you finish watching this podcast. But that ring of honor run, like their ladder match against the young bucks at Supercard of honor, whatever year it was, that is one of my favorite matches of all time. Cause the Hardys are essentially my favorite tag team of all time. And then the young bucks are who I consider to be the best tag team of all time and seeing them go at it in a proper passing of the torch moment that had a lot of care put into it. Like they recreated the finish of the edge and Christian Hardy's ladder match. Yeah. It wasn't the finish in that move in that match, but you could tell a lot of care and effort was put into that match. And yeah. it's just the very exact kind of wrestling that I want to see. And it's with Jeff Hardy at the center of it. Like this here. It's like, you can't even hear what Matt was saying. Cause that pop was so huge. Legit. Uh, and you want to talk about pops, the WrestleMania return the next day. I know. So, Oh man, what a mad weekend that was. I remember where was, I was in a golf course. Why was I at a golf course, but I was at a golf. Do you know what it was? 
it's because my wife um, and her sister were doing like a sort of a 10k run thing. And so like, I, you know, I can't follow them around with them. So I took them there and I dropped them off, um, watched them start their run. And then I went off to a coffee shop and then came back to like see them finish up their run and listening to Wrestling Observer Radio that was on the the Saturday before. Actually, it might have been on the Sunday, actually, of Mania. And they were just talking about that ladder war. And are we going to see the Hardy show up at Mania tonight? And a lot of you know, and then like Brian and Dave being like, I think we may end up seeing them there. But also there's every chance that we don't. Yeah. And I was in a slightly different situation because I was still working in retail at the time. I was still in university at the time and I was at work and I was supposed to leave work at around like six o'clock PM or so, give or take. And I don't know why I didn't figure WrestleMania into my schedule for that (laughs) week, but I checked my phone. Don't take your phone onto the floor. Retail workers. (laughs) I was checking my phone because it was a dead day and they say like a WWE car pulled up at the Hardy's like meet and greet. Yeah. And I saw that and I had been thinking like, maybe there was a chance, like maybe, I don't know. As soon as I saw that, I was like, I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go home. Yeah. You know, sorry. Like that's, that's the deal. Like, and I told my boss like, Hey, is there any way I can, I can leave early? Cause I'm not going to miss this. And sure enough, it happened. And I lost my voice for three days after that. I had to give a presentation at at school the next day. And I had no voice left. I am. I mean, someone just said that they were at that show. Dude, I'm so envious of people that were at that mania. Like it wasn't, you know, I don't think it was one of the, the best manias ever or anything like that. But I wish I could have been there for that moment. Yeah. Like when they talk about WrestleMania moments... That's a WrestleMania moment. 100%, yeah. Uh, I mean, we've got uh, a bunch of chats, actually, from uh, people who are sharing their um, Jeff Hardy memories as well. And, and very shortly, we're going to be joined by the man who designed this Jam That Championship. It's a double guest show. Um, so uh, before, before that, um, your favorite Jeff Hardy, if you could pick one, your favorite like Jeff Hardy moments, memory, match, or anything, what are you going for? I'll give one that I bet no one else would think of because this means a lot to me personally. Jeff Hardy versus Shawn Michaels on Raw the week before No Way Out 2008. Because this to me was the first time that I got to see Jeff Hardy like really shine on TV as a wrestling Mm -hmm. fan. You know, it was right after when he did the enormous Swanton bomb onto Randy Orton right after he'd done the big whisper in the wind off of the steel cage onto Umaga and stuff like that. Like I just missed those moments, but seeing him beat Shawn Michaels in the main event of raw was like, this guy's cool. You know, like this guy is, is a top main event guy. He's going to win the WWE title. He's going to go on to WrestleMania. It was really legit. And it was a really great match too. Yeah. Really, really great stuff. Uh, I mean, for me, I, 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 kind of mentioned already but i think it's that that rumble match to be honest it really is for me it's the the rumbles tape the rumble table match uh as someone who was just getting into wrestling and seeing those two guys i I found my favorite wrestlers like on that that show like all of a sudden like i was already into the rock because i was watching heat and he had like you know his vts and stuff but i'm like oh right cool so these guys are my favorite now like this is my favorite tag team i want to see this tag team win all the time and jeff was the guy that like i was really really drawn to
you know what? I tell you what. Let's um, we actually no. Let's let's do. We'll do the the chats first, and then we'll speak to to Paul Martin, the designer of this belt, who is uh patiently waiting in the green room for us. Oh, he's he's giving us the hands up to say that. He's <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Um, so yeah, let's see what you've got to say about this. Lakshimam Narashimham B said, "Climb the ladder, kid. Make yourself famous. Nothing can top that, in my opinion." You mentioned it earlier, man. What a call. What a call. Like one of one of Jim Ross's best in one of Jeff yeah. Hardy's best matches. Riot DR, as a crazy kid from Carolina with a crazy dream, Jeff Hardy was an inspiration to me. Considering I wasn't particularly big, watching him and Matt essentially revive tag team wrestling meant so much to me. My uh, best to the Hardy family and love to you, Ross. Love to you as well, Riot DR. Uh, LJ Mickey, my favorite Jeff Hardy moment has to be the CM Punk feud. Also, those ridiculous spots in the ladder matches. For me, he truly is the ultimate daredevil. My, I, I this is one of my favorite Jeff Hardy stories. But it's the um, WrestleMania X Seven. They have a spot where they have three ladders set up, yes. and the idea is that Jeff is going to essentially stepping stone his way across these ladders and get to the belt, and then he'll end up dangling there. Right? Only. During the day, he can't do it. He tries it, but he falls down. Tries again, falls down. Tries again, falls down. And someone says, like, maybe we shouldn't do this spot then. And Jeff's like, nah, it'll be all right on the night. What happens, Tempest? He goes <laughs> up and he falls down. He falls down, and that was going to be the spot that set up the spear. Spear, yeah. You know? And like, sure, like he sets the ladder back up, he climbs up and they do the spot anyway. And no one forgets, you no, know, no one remembers that because you just get to see the big spear spot. But imagine how much cooler that could have been. <laughs> yeah, he had done like the little tightrope walk and got across the three ladders. Like, it's yeah. just so wonderfully Jeff Hardy. They'll be like, nah, I mean, I've, I've messed it up four times in a row, but I'm sure it'll be all right in the night. Yep. Uh, Kat said, I remember watching the Jeff Hardy and Punk feud in 2009 when I was eight years old. I was so invested in Jeff being champion and kicking the S word out of Punk. I will forever cherish that feud. I hope Jeff is all right and pulls through. Do you know, actually, I get the other thing I wanted to mention before we get into our couple, last couple of chats we've got here, the outpouring of love I've seen for for Jeff. It's It's been so warm, like so lovely. We've seen a lot of people from WWE, Bailey, Damian Priest. Biggie, Cedric Alexander, Mustafa Ali have all been posting about like what a inspiration he is to them, how great he has been to them backstage at, at WWE shows. And really is like that all we've had it a lot in these chats as well, that sentiment. We had it a lot in the rest talk news comments as well. I I hope wish for the best for him and his family. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the biggest takeaway. You know, we want the best for this guy and his family. You know, yeah. wrestling takes a back seat in moments like this because Jeff Hardy means a lot to a lot of people. He is kind of like a people's champion type figure in a lot of ways. Like there's a lot of outpouring of support and love for this guy. And I just want to see him be all right. It's good to see where you feel about this sir, from Joseph Ray. He said, I'll forever stand that Matt Hardy is my favorite wrestler ever. I explained this to my friends before. Jeff was more entertaining. Matt, I feel, was the better wrestler, more well-rounded. Both entrance themes rock, uh, both his WWE and his TNA one. I always, I always felt bad for Matt at times because I, it's kind of a similar thing a lot of people always said about. It's like Matt's the solid foundation. He was the guy, he was like, he was the wrestler of the group. And, Matt, and then Jeff was the younger, better looking one with the cool hair that as soon as you take his <laughs> top off, the girls will go wild for him. I'm like, oh, poor Matt. Yeah, <laughs> poor, poor Matt. I mean, Jeff, 
I don't want to say that he was the spot monkey of the group because, (laughs) you know, they're both very good wrestlers. Like they both can wrestle. And I think that goes a long way towards their, their presentation over the years. But yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of people say that, that like Matt was the steak and Jeff was the sizzle. Mm. It's just which of those two you consider more important, you know, that might make you lean one way or the other. Uh, and lastly, this from Brian Moore. He said, the first big wrestling show I saw was Mania 23, where Jeff got revenge on Edge for X7 by leg dropping him through a ladder. Been a fan ever since. Did you hear the fight report uh, that Jeff was erratic? There was no evidence he was under the influence. Yeah, I, I, I did see that. I didn't actually get to cover this in the news. So I saw it too late, to be honest. Um, and I have seen it, but I haven't fully read into it yet. So I don't know. It's, it's up on my screen, but I haven't fully read into it. But we didn't really use the show to kind of talk about that. We wanted to sort of like celebrate look at more positive side of things just hope for the better uh, for him really but you know what i'm actually very curious because i have seen our guest uh, nodding along uh, throughout a lot of this, uh, and this is to see what he's got. Don't be embarrassed by it, mate. It's all right. Uh, please welcome <laughs> to the Wrestle Talk podcast the man who designed this gorgeous Jam That Championship on my shoulder, Mr. Paul Martin. Hello, friend. How are well, you? Well, thank you very much. Oh, thank you, Tempest. To you too. You're looking handsome as ever. Uh, <laughs> well, no, thank much you very much for having me. First of all, it's a pleasure to speak to both of you. It's a pleasure to speak kind of at the WrestleTalk viewers. So a thank you to both of you. A thank you to all the viewers as well, because the feedback on the belt has been ridiculous to be honest um so genuinely i just appreciate that uh yeah yeah well i mean before we talked about the belt um did you have any uh, a jeff hardy uh, moment or memory that you wanted to share with us i'll tell you what well i'm in the uk as well i'm up in scotland look and the channel for you talking about that has made me feel so old i know right that was that, in 2000 that was 21 years ago that's insane on honestly like same sentiments as you. I, I was born in 93, so I was an Attitude Era kid. WWF, Tempest were like this. Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh were kind of my upbringing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, brother. Yeah. So, I mean, I was well in the thick of wrestling during the Hardy Boys, during the triangle ladder matches. I mean, the, as we all know, Stone Cold, The Rock, Taker, all of that was main event. But I think for a lot of us younger guys, the, the tag team matches, the, the triangle ladder matches, the TLCs, that was what kind of caught the eye more. And the spot you're talking about when Jeff tried to walk across the ladders at 17, I com- like you said, I completely forgot that was what was leading up to the to the spear <laughs> off the ladders because it's, it's, it's shown so often as just him hanging off the ladder, the ladder gets pulled away and he kind of whiplashes into the spear. I... Yeah, I completely forgot that was the spot leading up. Do you remember like uh, the Channel 4 when they suddenly realized, oh, is this the product that we've got? Um, <laughs> we need to start putting ad breaks into this. <laughs> was that when, was that during the Miss Kitty incident? So, yeah, it's because, so yeah, what they didn't do, all they had to do was look at the pay-per-view that happened beforehand. Because they it happened at Armageddon 99. Their first pay-per-view <laughs> they got was the Rumble 2000. And they also had, and they had on that show the Miss Rumble bikini contest. The May Young. With yeah. May Young, it sure exactly. did, didn't they? <laughs> it sure did, didn't it? Yeah. But, that... the, but 
the following year's Royal Rumble, they because they started putting ad breaks into the uh, the pay per view broadcast. They were on a tape delay in case they needed to edit around things. And I remember in 2001 when you have the big shows return, it literally goes like 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and well, what is the big show? Ad break. And then he just they had to wait till oh five minutes. He comes back and Big Show makes his entrance. Jesus, that that's yeah. The, like the Channel Four talk has just made me feel painfully old. So thank you for that. That was that, well, that was uncomfortable. You're very welcome. It was 21 years ago, uh, and we can now thank you, Paul, because let's talk about this. This gorgeous gem that <laughs> championship belt. So let me just I'm gonna main screen mine for just a moment, so I can hold this up. Hold this up for people to see. Beautiful, isn't it? Thank you very much. It's very, very nice. So, Paul, I mean, how? Okay, so let's let's start from the beginning. How did we get involved with you, and how did? What's your sort of history with with belts and everything? Well, my history of belts is not to to bore anyone with a long, long story. I actually started out on YouTube making like. homemade belts when i was a lot younger during the very early days of youtube i was making them out of things like wood and vinyl and anything i could find around the house and it was actually not until i'd finished high school i i took a gap year instead of going to university doing the smart thing going to do my architecture degree i did the the less smart thing and thought you know what i'm i'm going to move into this belt thing try that for a, for a year and see how that goes so I built up a reasonable following on a YouTube channel, which no longer exists anymore. And I kind of realized that it was something that I could could kind of try out for at least a year, see if it worked out. And if it did, I could sack off uni and not bother with that. So thankfully, it did work out. And ever since about 2011, I've been working on belts, I've been kind of repairing belts, making custom belts full time. And that leads us to the the championship. So I've been in contact with it was mainly with Ollie at first. Actually, we spoke around the start of 2020, but then obviously the pandemic happened, and it was kind of emails here and there. Over, lost contact a little bit, and then middle of this year we spoke again. Um, the plan for obviously a kind of custom made championship came about again, and I. The ball, the ball started to slowly roll, emailed a few ideas back and forth, and then I actually spoke to to your wonderful colleague, Pete, and that was the first actual phone call I had with anyone, and we basically just kind of jotted down a few ideas, what we wanted for the belt, what would be possible, and I need to give some credit to actually your WrestleTalk design team or who works on the design side, because I sent over a, a few sample designs, a few things that I had thought of, a few kind of ideas with where parts of the design would be positioned and then eventually I got sent back what is kind of compiled by the WrestleTalk designers and from there I altered that into something that would actually work as a physical plate etched into metal so it's it's I don't want to take all the credit for the full design it was a collaboration certainly between the designers and myself it was uh, it was pretty wicked. So when it arrived in the office and we weren't there, uh, I think it was like it arrived on a Friday or something. It was before it was just before Survivor Series because we it debuted was. the 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 belt at Survivor Series and then it arrived the Friday before and we were on. I just got a message from Adam because he was the only one that was in the office and he said, "Does anyone want to see the belt?" And <laughs> so like all of a sudden we all jumped onto this Google Meet thing and he was like, sure, "We'll do the big grand unveiling for the belt," and we were all like, "Oh man, this is like you know because Pete has been quite." I'm not saying like um, sort of secretive about it, but this has been Pete's project 
so like pete has been sort of like working with you and everything like that so we've seen like bits and pieces of it here and there but this has sort of been beats uh, been pete's passion project which is why i felt quite bad about taking it from him Survivor <laughs> series see i i didn't realize it was actually secretive because i know pete was on holiday for a brief time so i i was on a phone call with ollie and rich and i showed them the progress so i don't know if that was something i should have done or not now. no 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 it's, it's all fine it's, it's big, i think it's pete just, he just really wanted to work like he was really like getting involved and he was so he was enjoying it so much and so like when when he finally got to hold on to that bell uh, on the survivor <laughs> series stream briefly. there was this briefly yes briefly because i i think jammed in my jam in the jar and i i, I didn't steal it from it i won it fair and square that's how jam in the jar works <laughs> so like it was yeah the, the, i've seen that look of pride on pete a handful of times and he but he's was like, fine remember he's fine so he's absolutely fine he's okay about it what tells um, you otherwise he was very happy is fine <laughs> it's fine he was just like he was really proud of the design, and we're like we're we're so so pleased with it because it is a really really cool design. Like it's there's so many little details on there that I absolutely love, and even things like like I don't think I expected anything like this, but you know, sorry, I can try and get this up onto the screen. Like <laughs> WrestleTalk is <laughs> is etched into the leather. Like that's it's so so good. Yeah, it's just, it's a... when we designed the belt, it was well. I've got the blueprint right here that we ended up going with so that's essentially what gets transferred onto the metal plate for it to be etched um at that point when i was speaking with pete and then ollie later on when i asked about the leather they just said kind of free reign do what you want but the one thing i remember ollie saying was if you can make it kind of obnoxiously branded that would be fantastic <laughs> and, and i thought to myself i like that because obviously the wwe belts they have their logos everywhere their belt is one big logo at this point and when, when he said kind of just to, to make it obnoxiously branded, I was like, okay, I know where I'm going with this. The wrestle talk, the, the jam jar in the leather as well. So I, I loved doing that. The custom oh, yeah. things like that in the leather is a really enjoyable thing to to get to do. So I'm I'm thrilled that you like that. Oh, no, I absolutely love it. I think it's great. I mean, you, it's calling it uh, obnoxiously branded is such an Ollie Davis <laughs> thing to ask for. Uh, that is, is delightful. You have got a plethora of belts behind you. So I put that one in place th thinking, oh, it would be a nice, nice tribute to, to your previous <laughs> guest that I had to follow here. But so best of luck if, if he does end up challenging for the newer version of that, obviously. But you are assuming, uh, as I think we all are, and Tempest, I definitely know that you were in this as well. A bit of a belt head in terms of like championship designs and things like that um i will ask paul first what is you, what's your all-time favorite design it's, i know it's a basic question but it's one that i like to ask people it's like what's your favorite belt design oh my god why didn't i expect this as a question <laughs> i should have prepared come on, paul, for this. come on paul it was the it was right there mate i'm it a was, basic it was so obvious <laughs> why, why didn't i think of this do i do the the kind of company thing and say oh it's, it's the one on your shoulder mate um <laughs> hey I know what I'm doing. Uh, to be honest with you, I think the classic big gold is possibly my favorite. Um, other than that, the Attitude Era heavyweight is one. I, yeah, there you go. Big gold WCW belt. I've actually got one sat right here next to me. So that's a very nice belt. I do love that belt. That's a classic. I love the heavyweight from the Attitude Era, the, the big eagle version of the belt. Um, 
to be honest, I've worked on so many belts over the years that any even even the current WWE belts, when I get to like restore one of those replica belts or just modify it and upgrade it, I start to really like them as well. So like the current blue universal, the blue universal, I like that way more than I should. It's obviously nowhere near the, the top <laughs> tier of belts, but from where it was before when it debuted, it has shot up in my estimation, which is probably a shameful thing for me to say, to be honest. Uh, Tempest, what about you? What's your favorite belt design? Uh, it, the answer to that question changes like the wind. Uh, the winged eagle title is a pretty easy answer a lot of the time. A lot of the time I will say that one. I also really like the IWGP Intercontinental title with the white strap. Mm. I, I personally enjoy that one a little bit more than the heavyweight title. Mm. Or you mean the the, the Cody neck tattoo? <laughs> well, that and the the classic heavyweight <laughs> yeah. title that Okada has graciously brought back. I, I don't know how I forgot the Okada IWGP. That is probably my favorite, to be honest. Yeah. It's, it's one that I see all the time, and for some reason I, I didn't even think of it there. Yeah, great choice, Tempest. The, uh, the, what I would have referred to as the, the Triple H world title. The, yeah. you know, the 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 blue i it's it is my that's my belt like that was and it's when we first decided we were going to start like defending a belt on the channel that was the one me and ollie were like well that's the belt we get right like that's the belt we get and we put a sticker over it for the time <laughs> being and so we can get like an actual proper belt in um but yeah i mean so you you've made belts before like talk about some of the belts that you've made for people i mean i've to be honest i spent much of my early adult life from my late teens to mid 20s spending pretty much every weekend in uk indie locker rooms i i i put together the rings for very mainly up here in scotland but kind of around the uk at various times so throughout my early 20s i was making custom belts for for indie promotions and just as a kind of Part of it, I, I wanted to spend time with them. I wanted to learn about wrestling. I did a bit of wrestling training as well uh, with WrestleTalk's friend, Damo. He is one of the best people I've ever met in wrestling. I spent like three years seeing him almost every weekend, so he's a lovely guy. Uh, but I got to make a lot of belts for a lot of independent companies. We've worked with Discovery Wrestling up here in Scotland and Edinburgh. They're fantastic. Uh, I think Joe Hendry currently holds their belt that I made. I worked with PCW down in Preston before. Uh, but the Wrestle Talk belt is actually the first belt I've made since COVID started because probably lucky timing on my part. I actually was moving house at the start of 2020 and I thought, right beforehand i stopped taking orders for belts i was only working on like leather work or repairing belts at that point because i didn't want to take on any big projects and then the pandemic hit so i thought okay we'll, we'll put a hold on on custom belts because as you've seen from the tnt belt on aew they had to debut it unfinished because so many processes were were impossible to do during the pandemic so the wrestle talk belt is actually the first custom belt i've made since the start of the pandemic so that was that was really fun to work on and i mean i hope you don't mind i'm gonna throw a cheap plug in here uh, over it if you want to see a, a video of the sorry if you want to see a video of the the making of the wrestle talk belt check out my youtube channel paul martin belts i i have a pretty detailed video making the belt there and you'll see how much of a pain in the arse some of those details <laughs> luke is talking about actually were to do uh absolutely yeah our uh, our moderators will be spamming the link for that uh, oh, in the chat, uh, moment. Uh, so yeah i mean it, it is a great but there it is mandy savage bang straight in there it's uh it's such a good video well done to you as well and thank, thank you, you again. so much oh well thank you so much for this belt before before you go though 
I mean, we've talked about favorite designs. I want some of the some of the worst, some of the worst belts. Cause... I mean, the go-to kind of generic answer is always the Divas belt, isn't it? I, I think that's one that people always point at as that is kind of the the worst possible belt design. <laughs> I'm gonna shame myself. I like the divas, but I think it's funny. <laughs> I, I, because to be honest, my, my, I, I appreciate all like fantastic wrestling. I appreciate technical wrestling. I love all kinds of wrestling, but kind of as I've gotten older, the kind of botchamania style of wrestling things you'll see that when, when things just go as wrong as possible. That that's probably a part of me growing into adulthood amongst indie wrestling where. Things go wrong all the time. Oh, yeah. So as far as least favorite belts, I'm looking around trying to think. Do I just say the Divas belt, even though I think that's pretty cool? <laughs> um, I mean, I, I'm going to throw out an option here because I, I hate the current WWE tag team titles. I hate those belts so much. There's that's just a fair shout. They're good. You know, the, like, the little penny designs on them. They just look uh -huh. cheap and... Luke. They're nickels now. Oh, sorry. They are, okay. yes. Well, all right. Well, nickels then. Like, it's it just, I get, and maybe it's because, like, I do like the Attitude Era belts, the, those world titles, like, so, so much. I think they're gorgeous designs. Like, the, I, I like, I've always liked tag belts because there's mm. two of them. So, like, uh, you know, the, uh, the TNA tag titles were always really nice. AEW's world tag Absolutely. titles were really nice. NXT UK tag titles are oh. stunning. All so of NXT UK's belts are. Oh, they're so, so good. So it pisses me off that the main titles are so <laughs> rubbish. See, I didn't actually like the NXT UK tags up until this week. I bought, well, I bought and reviewed a replica from WWE Shop of it this week recently. And when I opened it, I was like, oh, th this is actually amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought this looked terrible, but actually seeing it in person, it's a tiny, tiny belt. But seeing it in person completely changed my mind on that. So I fully agree. And yeah, the main roster tag belts are pretty atrocious. <sighs> From a friend of mine, I, I have been reliably informed that the replacements for those have been ready for about four years now and were just never used for whatever reason. So that would have been a replacement that had the kind of, you know, how the superstar side plates are all removable. That would have been one to fit in with that design. So I don't want to start rumors or anything, but for about four years now, apparently they've been ready to go and they were just never approved. So... I mean, That's happened a lot of times throughout the years, <laughs> as far they, as belts go. It was a few years back. They were going to do cruiserweight tag titles, weren't they? And like there were designs floating around for them and everything. I I think those were made as well. <laughs> I think they were made into physical belts as well. But then two hundred five live, I think, didn't reach the expectations they might have had for it. So yeah, there's there are, WWE's warehouse. From what I'm told, has a lot of never before seen. Custom belts for superstars, replacement belts. I, I would love to just go look through there and just see the unused designs that have never been shown in public. Sam <laughs> It's the 24-7 title. <laughs> of course it is. It's terrible. <laughs> of course it is, yeah. The Art Deco belt. Can't stand that belt. I've never liked that belt. Mick Foley, I went to one of his shows uh, shortly thereafter uh, when uh, he had unveiled the belt. You know, like later that summer. I think it was before SummerSlam, in fact. They did a Mick Foley, like, reading 
comedy type show that I went to. And he was like, I feel so bad. I feel like I started off the 24 seven title on such a bad foot. Like I didn't have a good night and a good promo. I was like, Mick, nothing you could have done would have saved that belt. Um, actually, before we go, I, I think this is a, the, the discussion that we need to have. I think this is, we need to finally get a decision here. Is the spinner belt actually good? Because Paul, Paul, I'm curious on you because as someone who designs belts, who like the intricacies of belts as well, and little bits of pieces here and there. It, I mean, as Rob Van Dam said, it does spin. Like it's a as a, as a as someone who has dedicated their life and craft to belts. Where are we with the spinner belts? This is one of those moments again where I, I would just get heat. The, <laughs> the spinner, as far as the construction, the work that goes into the spinner belt, it's possibly my favorite belt ever as far as the work that goes into it. Yeah, yeah. It is, it's the most expensive belt WWE have ever made. Uh, every copy of it was over $10,000. It was ridiculous. But the amount, no other belt maybe aside from the original big gold which was the original version of this was actually handmade it was carved out of sterling silver i think that was what it was um by a belt buckle company so that wasn't actually made by a belt maker but as far as yeah the spinner i i i like it because i appreciate the work that has gone into it and the detail that is achieved i can fully appreciate that it it looks ridiculous it's a gaudy kind of it is a piece of like bling jewelry for for cena's character of the time obviously but from like from my point of view as someone who who makes belts this is my as you say my livelihood how i make a living and all i do is work on championship belts when i look at the spinner belt i see a crafted piece of brilliance <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and i really have to kind of stretch my words to say that but because because i can feel i can feel the hatred kind of weighing me down now there's, but there's that comment peter manis get out <laughs> yes I, I i was expecting that but from, from the craftsmanship point of view i love it from the design yeah it's it's the spinner about what there's there, it's behind me here so that that <laughs> That'll, that'll tell you all you need to know. Tempo to Yu-Gi-Oh! Where do you stand on the spinner belt? I don't think it's necessarily as bad as some other people. But that being said, you shouldn't have your number one title being a toy. <laughs> and it was a toy, you know? But it That's is the best, just... selling, it's the best selling replica they've ever made by a distance. Because it was a toy. <laughs> it spins, Tempest. It spins. <laughs> <laughs> I, for me, like it was, it made so much sense when it was on Cena. Like, it, and it was just like, oh, yeah, that totally works. Because he had the, the US one as well that spun. It was just like, all oh, right, yeah, now he's done it for the WWE version. That totally makes sense. It's when Triple H is holding it, you're like, well, now it just looks weird. Like this was weird with you holding it. I I was hoping and praying at the time the Undertaker would win it because I really wanted to see him holding <laughs> yeah. it more than anything. But he kept on being on the brand that had the big gold, and he kept on winning the heavyweight. And I was just like, no, no, win the spinner. I want to see this so badly, but it never happens, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, well, um, please, Paul, uh, plug away. Uh, tell us where you, we can find you. Uh, tell us about your Twitter. Uh, tell us what you're currently working on. Um, 
Yeah, well, thank you for this opportunity again. It's been a pleasure to speak to you both and to speak at the viewers. Once again, I just want to thank the viewers for the ridiculously positive feedback we've had on the belt. Uh, that video has done great numbers and the, the feedback has been nothing but positive. So thank you to all the viewers. If you do want to see the video, my YouTube channel again is Paul Martin Belts. Uh, my Instagram is PM Belts, I believe. And I think my Twitter is at Paul Martin Belts. So that will be it. Um, what I'm working on at the moment, we've got a few belts that I can't really show because they're for indie companies, but I have a few that I will be doing similar videos as I did for the making of the WrestleTalk belt uh, in the new year. I'm hoping to move into a new workshop, so there'll be a lot of making of belt videos on my channel. So one that I'm actually remaking for that is a belt I made for an indie company in Scotland about eight years ago, which is a mid-card belt based on Back to the Future. Oh, cool. So... It was for a Scottish company. It was called the Future Division. So we've got the Back to the Future logo there on the center plate, and the side plates feature a DeLorean there. So, <laughs> so, so that's a wrestling belt. And yeah, these are how the plates, I should say, start out their lives. That's the raw zinc right after it's been etched from there. We do a lot of work on them, polishing them, then nickel plating them, then gold plating them, whatever we need to finish in in that but that's how they start there's a few exciting things i'm working on just subscribe to my youtube channel if you want to see that that's is that how we do this just oh yeah plug away. like and subscribe yeah just like, like and subscribe sub <laughs> like and subscribe and that's that's the way we get around these places really like and subscribe <laughs> give us a thumbs up um paul thank you so much for coming on this show and, and it, it's, so taken, much, it's taken us a couple of weeks both of which were my fault um <laughs> absolutely not it's okay <laughs> it's been yes. a, it's been a genuine pleasure to speak to you both no, so, thank, thank you, you for having me on. Honestly, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Tempest, I'll say thank you to you as well um, for, for coming on to the show, as always, my friend. Um, we will be back uh, next week as per you. Actually, no, do you know what? I was gonna, I was nearly going to throw us out of there, but I've got one more thing I will share with everyone. Last week on the WrestleTalk podcast, I shared a story with Denise Salcedo about me meeting Tom Holland and Zendaya because I interviewed them for Spider-Man No Way Home and I was so focused on calling her Zendaya, 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 that unfortunately this happened. I am Luke Owen from Cineworld, and today I'm joined by the stars of Spider-Man No Way Home, Tom Dolland. Sorry, Tom Dolland. Tom you can call Holland me Tom Dolland if you want. Tom Dolland. I actually like Tom that. It sounds like nice Darling. Like Tom Dolland. Oh goodness, I'm making an absolute fool of myself before we've even begun our game. But are you ready to play a game with me today? Do you want to play a game? <laughs> you got dressed up and everything. I know, right? How, yeah. I, don't know, I look an absolute tit in that video. <laughs> I was like in full Cinemania gear for it. I was so ready. And I called him Tom Dolland. <sighs> I've actually slept easier now that I've seen the footage because at least they laughed about it. Anyway, I, I suppose now we can draw this to a close. But thank you again to uh, Paul Martin for joining us today. Also, thank you to Shane Taylor for, for dropping by today uh, to talk about ROH final battle there it is the roh belt behind paul right there uh we'll be back tomorrow for the uh smackdown review show when we tempest you and pete tomorrow yeah sure will be <laughs> if this show is not better than the last two weeks of smackdown i don't know what i'll do but <laughs> probably review the show anyway like i always I was do gonna say tempest that's exactly what you're gonna do you're just gonna review yeah. the show and you're going to like it <laughs> yeah. um and then uh, i'll be back with ollie davis on the tuesday to review raw
I didn't know this, Tempest, but Jenna had put up a poll during the She show. sure did. She, I, I didn't know, I didn't know uh, Mod Mother was moderating today, which is why I didn't ask for a poll to go up. I, didn't, I hadn't seen her in like the chat and stuff, um, and I, I forgot to check if she was do, if she was running this, the the gig. So I didn't ask for a poll to go up. Otherwise, I would have asked for put a poll up. Is the spinner belt actually good? But she's ahead of the curve, and she did it anyway. And what and kind of results did we get? And what kind of results did we get? It's Brexit all over again. Is the belt actually good? No. 51 percent wow that swung <laughs> it was yes for a while it was a binary option it was yes oh. or no it was essentially 50 50 that's insane to me <laughs> you know like i i feel like this is one of those things where people have all of a sudden decided that the prequel movies are good you know like that <laughs> that camp now exists after after years of spending like eons coming together over the prequel sucking for years wrestling fans bonded over the spinner belt being trash and now now there are people out there fighting for the spinner belt i, mean, I just knows. hate that it says champ yeah yeah I, I get that no good no good at all uh i i actually did pitch at one point it's probably why i wasn't actually given the task of creating the new championship was like we'll just see the spinner belt but it would be the jam jar that spins and I it'll was a hundred percent certain that that's what we were, we were going to do, and it'll say jamp on it. Um, and so I, uh, I what was I going to say? Um, oh yeah, I was actually talking to a friend of mine about the prequel trilogy uh, a few years ago. It was just, it was before Rise of Skywalker. So just to get put into the perspective where we were, and my friend was talking about, he's like, oh, I've been rewatching the prequel trilogy, and you know, I, I, it has got its issues, but I quite like, you know, the, the story that it's trying to tell and stuff. And, and, you know, and I was, I was like, yeah, I mean, it's a good story. It just doesn't tell it particularly well. Um, and I said, well, I said, what I found very interesting about that though, is that it's been so long since the prequel trilogy came out. You know, the first one came out in 1999 that yeah. the kids who went to the cinema and saw it and just liked it because they're children and, you know, children just like the films that they watch. They are now grownups. So they're now talking about the nostalgic love they have for it. And I think that's the spinner belt. I think it's kids who are now adults who are like, no, no, I loved oh. the spinner belt when I was a kid. Therefore, it must still be good. In the same way, they'll be like, yeah, Thundercats was great, even though categorically, if you go back and watch Thundercats, it's not that great. I hate the idea of spinner belt children now being adults. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like oh, yeah. that's that's nutty to me, but yes, I was at university when that belt came out. I was in elementary school, but I think I was in third grade. I so you, that means you're a spinner belt kid, which means I know, but I don't have that nostalgic feeling for it. Like I don't care about it. Little mini tempest, yeah. this little mini mask, being like it says Japan, <laughs> and I don't like it. Oh God, yeah, because again, it's it's the kids that have grown up. And now they're adults with opinions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's those it's those adults with opinions now they get real mad at me, Ollie, and Laurie and stuff when we don't mark out for John Cena returning or like when Cena came out as uh, like Dr. Thugonomics stuff. We were like, yeah, cool, whatever. Because I was an adult when John Cena was uh, Dr. Thugonomics. I was already an adult. I was, in, I, I was 20 years old. I didn't have time for John Cena's nonsense at that point and his jorts. <sighs> See... I'm 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 split on John Cena himself because I was never a big John Cena fan as a kid. Like 
I don't know why. I just, he was not the guy for me. You know, even as an 11 year old, I was part of the like, no, Blue Cena, whatever. I can appreciate his work. Like, obviously, he is mm-hmm. one of the best WWE stars ever. That being said, I will mark out for him returning at Money in the Bank and then absolutely hate everything that he does for the next month on SmackDown. Because <laughs> it was just rotten. Yeah, and it's always kind of it. it's it's always kind of been that way for Cena to me. Mm-hmm. You know. I really just wish that there was better character writing. Well, you can wish and wish that's and wish. And that's a whole, that's, to go that's, off on. That's that's, that save that for the say. SmackDown show, Tempest. That is where it yeah. belongs right there. Maybe Von Wagner will return this week. Um, hey, I mean, dude, you love his generic tights and his generic music. Lizard people. Lizard people. <laughs> He's got lizard people tights. What is up with those goddamn tights? So weird. I got to watch uh, the war games. I was like, what is up with this guy's tights? Why are they so weird? So with, I know we're trying to wrap this up, but I just enjoy talking to you. So same here. Yeah. I am still convinced because the only time that that has been brought up since then was by Kyle O'Reilly on the following episode of NXT. He's like, Oh, you're on SmackDown. Moving on. That's it. That's the only mention of it. I'm still convinced he was added in post. Yeah. Do you know what? It's it's entirely possible. And there's actually two people who've only really semi-referenced it. And one of them is gone now. And the other one believes in conspiracy theories. So there's every chance that he was never he was never there at all. He it's telling you there's something there to Von Wagner not actually being at SmackDown. Do you know what like... my new do you know what my new favorite uh, silly WWE thing is? Um, it, it, I it's love when... these. They keep coming up with new ones. <laughs> It's characters having flashbacks to yes. video packages. Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> oh my god! I don't it's know if, if, if you would see Pete and I's reaction to this, but we I had not considered that he had had a flashback. That's what it was. Like, there's he no just other stops. explanation for it. He looks and he has a flashback, and then on Raw. In a, in a meeting with Vince and Austin Theory, the pair of them have a shared flashback of what happened at Survivor Series. You know, it doesn't bother me that much. Oh, I love, it makes me laugh. It's my, it's it my new favorite. It's my new favorite silly thing. Like, I, you can't get angry at it because it's not terrible. It's yeah. just silly. It's just, and dumb. it's my new favorite silly thing. Yeah. <laughs> When you gotta find enjoyment in the show however you can. Oh yeah. And if that's how you're gonna do it, more power to you. Uh lastly, Tempest, what do you got for for this weekend? Uh watching Ring of Honor tomorrow. Of course, yeah, actually. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um I, this this may be a little too inside baseball for, for some folks, but there may be a review coming of Final Battle, kind of depending on what happens on the show. So, I mean, if we get like a surprise return of Daniel Sin, uh-huh, caught myself, Brian Danielson, or like CM Punk, if they replace Bandito in the main event or something crazy like that, like there will absolutely be a review. But we will kind of play it by ear and, and see how that goes. But either way, I will be watching Ring of Honor Final Battle tomorrow night, and I'm looking forward to it. 
Yeah, same here, man. I'm going to be trying to catch up on it on Sunday. If not, we're trying to catch up on Monday. Uh, but super looking forward to it. I'm pulling for my boy, Shane. Um, pulling for not only for him to be Kenny King, but also then go into that main event and uh, become interim champion or whatever it is. But yeah, I'd, I would love to see it. I, I would too. And again, just talking because I enjoy talking to you. Um, we we need like a one-on-one -on -one podcast. We need <laughs> yeah. to come up with like a new metal podcast or something like that. Exactly, yeah. You know, well, as I'm if... Matt McMuscle stole have... our really good idea. Matt McMuscle yeah. stole our good idea. Oh, what, what was that? His Limp Biz cast. That is a good idea. Is that good, is a good idea. Oh, that's one of the ones where you genuinely wish you'd come up with it first. Yeah. So re regardless, I know you have so much free time in your life. <laughs> yeah, right exactly, now. right? You know. <laughs> <laughs> that That being said, as I try and get this train of thought back on the tracks, um, I'm really interested in what's going on with Final Battle, and I'm curious now as to see what happens with Shane Taylor, mm -hmm. you know, because I wish I'd mentioned this on the actual podcast as opposed to this, because I don't know that they'll hear it now. Bandito has also been pulled from Warrior Wrestling, the show mm. that I believe was either this Sunday or the next Sunday, and he was supposed to wrestle Dante Martin on that show. Ooh. And that was a show that I absolutely was going to watch almost entirely because of that match. Like that show has a really good card anyway, but man, I feel for warrior because that yeah. match, is, that match is so cool. You know, well, I, I love those it, guys and everything, but still check out warrior wrestling. I'm giving them a plug anyway. Check out warrior wrestling. Things. It's, it's good stuff. It's one of those things like when we nearly got Suzuki versus Orange Cassidy and then it never happened. And now we're just in there being like, oh, but it will happen. It will happen again. Though, nah, right? nah, and nah, actually nah. now the fact that we've got the anticipation just made me want to see Suzuki versus Cassidy <sighs> more. Uh, Tempest, let's wrap this up. You uh, need to go and blow your nose and things out. You're going to stop being <laughs> so big and disgusting and gross. Um, but until then, we will be back tomorrow with the SmackDown review. Love you all. Take care. Love you. Goodbye. Have a nice weekend, everyone. Yeah.